Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. So this week, before we start and devolve into how humanity is mostly terrible, as we also discussed last week and a, and a lot of other weeks, yeah. um, to which we're, we're to blame. I mean, it, it, it does inevitably start with us, especially people like us. But um, as far as humanity being good, as I think you both are aware, um, I went to a law school graduation this weekend of a friend of the pod and great friend of mine, Danny. And let me just tell you that the thing I realized there is that people get married and and divorced and have children and stuff like that, but you only graduate from law school once. So to be with a group of like, I don't know, 60 people, I'm not exaggerating 60 people, um, celebrating one person who deserves celebration and, and yelling and screaming for them as they get their, their diploma is one of the coolest things I'll just, just ever do. Uh, I'll go to other weddings and stuff like that, but um, that was really great. And uh, I just, you know, before we devolve into to further madness, uh, go take some time at some point to to celebrate someone because when you do it with other people, it's really really great. Yeah, that's a it. It is a neat thing. Uh, two people that are not getting much celebration from adoring groups of people right now are David Benioff and DB Weiss. Oh, I. Yeah, I guess they're. I guess they're not. I mean, Max, you. We should. I think we kind of have to start with you here because you are. I mean, you're a very uh, computer savvy person, but maybe not so internet savvy at this point in your life. But even <laughs> even you have picked up on what was that some angry listicles that you were talking there's, about? Yeah, there's some BuzzFeed articles about <laughs> how these. HBO dudes are are doing the Dragon Queen wrong. Um, people are upset. There's, it's it's almost as if these guys spent ten years of their life and millions and millions of dollars developing an amazingly complex storyline and TV show, and then some smarky asshole on Twitter decided that he could tweet out like "You've ruined everything," and then <laughs> CNN posts an article about how they ruined everything, and yeah. it's difficult. And so we should let's be clear about a couple different things up front. One is that I think we'll we'll try we'll try to avoid blowing the lid on anything particularly major that's happened in Game of Thrones because just because like this most recent episode has been up for what twenty four hours now yeah uh, and- but but I, I don't know that we can promise that a hundred percent because frankly we don't prep all that much so if you are like if you're saving Game of Thrones to watch over the summer for some reason, like maybe don't listen to this episode. Um, also, I think it's important to point out uh, that this phenomenon, Max, is one that you discovered only when it made its way to CNN, more or less. That's that's how you were immersed in this world because you take great pains to avoid I, all Game of Thrones commentary. Yes. Or or any I mean I think we've maybe even discussed it before. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it was recorded at the time, but like if I'm consuming really media, I I like to kind of let it 
marinate in my own head before people shoot opinions at me. I don't I don't go online yeah. and read fan theories about how TV, I guess it, only really works with books or TV shows because um, a movie you're probably not watching in multiple parts. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I want to think about it kind of myself and come to my own resolution, and I can't do that instantly. It's almost like yeah. when someone asks me right after a movie what I thought of it, and honestly, I like I have to think about it. I can't yeah. give you an answer right away. <laughs> well, and Max, what you're what you're referring to is I think we we talked about spoilers some some time ago. You know, probably dozen scores of episodes ago. And you had a very broad view of spoilers that included really speculation on the future, especially a series. Um, and that that marination and 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 the like that that you mentioned definitely resonates with me in terms of this because what we have is this content churn. I don't like the word content, but it it's the right term for it here, which is these varying forms of podcasts and videos and. I don't know. I'm sure there are chat snap updates and listicles and whatever of of reactions. And that's that's really what they are. And we're reacting to it not only before it can marinate, but also as something that I know I've kind of defended before in part because there was you know, a professor that really hit me with, which is kind of assuming the viewpoint of the author. Uh, I, I know I am very hesitant to – so there are books that I haven't finished – and I will say when talking about a book, I did not finish this book because I think that's important. I didn't assume the author the whole way through. So it's important for me to, when I'm consuming any type of media, to either finish it and assume the author the whole way or be very clear about not finishing it. And my reaction to a lot of this reaction is that we're responding to pieces in the puzzle as opposed to the whole puzzle. And that puzzles me to continue with that so i think that's a fair point and and there was some uh, james panawazic who i think is the tv critic for the new york times maybe i these these content churners jump around (laughs) all the time i didn't know that uh yeah i didn't know that certain people were at other places anymore Uh, sure yeah but he was in a discussion on on the tweet machine with uh, with some people, some you know, some cultural critics and, and uh, folks that write about entertainment that I really appreciate, and they were talking about the same thing about how when they, you know, if they review something that they didn't finish, they want to be very clear about like, it, you know, especially if it was like it was something that was so bad that they felt like they couldn't watch it anymore, like they want to do that. Um, how? is that affected at all for you by the fact that I know the puzzle of Game of Thrones is not officially put together, mm-hmm. but like it's, it's done. There's another so, hour and a half of TV left and then the show's over. So here's, here's part of the issue. And, and you kind of mentioned the monoculture earlier. Game of Thrones very much might be the last of its kind, which is this golden era of television show, which comes out once a week it is a sunday night show so the idea is you everybody sits down and they're watching it it's in prime time and it is viewed as something that is both high art in the way of the direction and the the set design or not even design the set selection Mm -hmm. um and then also the storytelling and the actors i mean so many of these actors i think 
people talk about it and the only actor on the bill when they started the show that anyone had sort of heard of was Peter Dinklage no and, it, was, it wasn't even Peter Dinklage uh, it was Sean was Bean it, it was Sean Bean oh so- sorry I'm thinking of movies I've since watched that like in Bruges which had Peter Dinklage in it but not everybody has seen though phenomenal movie and that's but, why it, it was such a subversive thing to kill off Ned Stark in the first season of the show spoiler, spoiler alert, alert. <laughs> So, but, but like, I guess, I guess the, I guess the, the, the point there is, is they have created, they truly, they have created their own monster by being the last of this episode that you have a week to stew about. Um, but it is very different from, you know, the time when Sopranos, when you just had like a couple, I mean, people weren't even using the internet back then to go look up, uh, you know, review this television show for me. And unfortunately, there aren't three TV shows like this on now. So, uh, you know, Walking Dead is not trying to be high art and high storytelling. So they're not getting the same type of treatment. So I I concede that this is where the the, the ire is going to be directed. So I would say that the gap between the Sopranos finale viewership and the viewership of game of thrones this season at least as reported uh is a lot smaller than you think it is uh, uh about 12 million people watch the sopranos finale and mm-hmm. uh i think the hbo record the hbo streaming record was set by the premiere of season eight of game of thrones which was about 17 million people yeah uh so also i should point out from those numbers that even when you account for, you know, even when you account for all of the account sharing and six people going to somebody's apartment to watch together, like, even when you adjust for that a little bit, there are, for something that is being called the monoculture, there are way fewer people watching Game of Thrones than anyone who talks about Game of Thrones as the monoculture realizes. Yeah. So, so Max, and I think that you approached this with the, the freshest of eyes, fingers, depending on how, you know, tweet hands. Uh, you know, do you, do you feel like in, in engaging with this and being part of this very online people, are you, do you feel like you're not the group that it is targeted at? Um, kind of to Sean's point, is this a very insular group that, that, you know is is part of this this echo chamber i think i think i am in the group um at least demographically because i'm watching game of thrones Mm -hmm. as it's on week by week um i just don't i think just like you i'd like to have the whole picture before i make judgment i guess i also feel like i think you said something else where i've i've said that kind of fan theory can be spoilers and i feel like some people are upset because this season of Game of Thrones hasn't gone the way that they convinced themselves that it was going to go by reading up on fan theory. It's like they've dug themselves into this hole and been like, oh, this is definitely going to happen, this is the way, and then it doesn't, and they're almost angry about it. And it's like, well, it can only happen one way. I just That seems like a really weird way to criticize something. Yeah, Sean, I think you probably... uh... You know, I, I am going to be very deferential to these kind of in the same vein as man, Max is is to, I'm going to let these storytellers finish their story. Um, but, you know, that the whole fan theory thing is huge. And I know that especially in the way that you started watching Game of Thrones, how how do you respond to the 
six different websites who have six different curious and compelling but their theories and don't end up playing out i would say that uh, at least for me because i i can't i can't speak for anyone else um my my criticism of this season in particular is not rooted in feeling like uh my theories or the theories of other people that i read and found interesting uh haven't panned out and i'm mad about that and i i feel like the creators of the show owe me my theories uh i tend to i tend to treat that sort of stuff uh, i don't do i i don't really do a lot of theorizing myself necessarily um but i like i enjoy to a certain extent the fan theory economy because i just i like that there are other people that are engaging with this show yeah. on a really deep level to the point where they're coming up with well you know it, what is essentially this is how it would play out if i were in charge of this show uh mm -hmm. because that's really what a fan theory is it's saying it's couching this is what i would do in this is what i think is going to happen yeah and and i think you uh, you're you're making me think i i came in as as often happens when i start talking about this the potential for this topic with you all came in a little bit hot <laughs> and uh and I think that fan theories are for any show. They're not just this show. It's it's true. They're fan theories for everything. Mm -hmm. They're. I mean, I remember some of the ridiculous ones for for Mad Men, which are ridiculous in their rear view after seeing the whole show. But um, the thing about fan theories, I think they're fun. I think they they can create community and they can be really positive. But there is a point where you use words like "this is how they failed this character." That's when I respond. I think most strongly and. Uh, one of the things that two of us have now read, and I kind of thought about this, is uh, is on Smarm, which is a famous Gawker uh, essay by Tom Skoka. And uh, Smarm is, is this this idea where you uh, essentially you you criticize people for for not having done the thing they're criticizing, um, and that's where I kind of will embrace Smarm and say, well. Actually, you shouldn't call it a failure of these these television um, showrunners because you're criticizing a story and they have to make a whole TV show. So shame on you for trying to tell them – not actually shame, but you know, hold – pause before you criticize the making of a TV show that is not finished. And what you're really criticizing is their storytelling, which doesn't make up the whole thing in my mind. Sure, but you – I, I don't know. I mean, you you kind of have to make a TV show around the story that the TV show is built on. Um, I, I think that I took perhaps a slightly different definition of smarm out of uh, out of that essay, which is criticizing kind of from a place of self righteousness, criticizing someone for doing something that you're actually doing. Like there was a, a, one of the big examples uh, that gets that you know that Tom Skoka goes to the well for multiple times in that essay, which is long as shit. Yeah, is it took, took about an hour to read. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> tweets by politicians and 
fo- basically what's the thing that's happening a lot now, which is, uh, oh, but you're not upholding civility. Fuck yes. you for not upholding civility. So it's 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 decrying, uh, you know someone not being polite yeah. while telling them yes. to go fuck themselves for not being yes. polite. Yes, it is, it, is, it is ad hominem, but I, then they wrap it up in civility and they say, You're, this person is terrible because they're having an uncivil discussion about this and they know nothing of it. And so I don't know if, I don't know if these criticisms, like, you know, people w- without giving away what the arc of Jamie Lannister is. People are upset about how Jamie Lannister has been handled in season eight of Game of Thrones. And I don't think it rises to the level of smart. I, I you know what I mean? Because like ultimately they're not uh ultimately they're not writing the show, but also they're not really hiding that they're angry. They're not they're oh, not yeah. saying I'm- like I you know, you you like. I, I don't even know what the what the smarm version of that would be. They're just pissed off. Oh no, that's what I. Oh, so to clarify, I am conflicted because I feel like I want to take the smarm position oh, for these okay. people and say, D- you don't know what yes, you're talking it about. Would, don't criticize. That don't would criticize, a percent be that. Don't criticize showrunners for their storytelling. They're not just authors of the whole thing. So don't don't criticize them for this whole thing. And so here I find myself maybe defending a smarm position, which uh, yes, you, you know is is quote you know never a force for good, as as Tom Skokas says. I I I think that um, the the other thing you mentioned there, Sean, it it made me think is you know talking about fan theories and and just. You know how they have a a duty to to kind of finish the show and make people enjoy it. Uh, there's the question of what is canon for for someone like Max and, and me too, which is Max came to this uh, familiar with the story because he read the books beforehand, and I know that he and a lot of people are very confused about well, do I take the show as canon? Do I take the books as canon? Um, are they going to be different? I don't know. Are the books going to exist? I, I mean, that's that's very conflicting, conceivably, Max. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely feel like some of the anger is people being saying, oh, this isn't the way, if George had a chance to finish the books, he wouldn't have done it this way, and, and it would have been different. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> okay, so. conflicting. I mean, it well. would have been easier if he had just written them beforehand, but yeah, he and had I'm sure a it would have been easier for Weiss and, and Hoff and whatever as well. Um Mr. Amanda Pete. What? Oh yeah, he he did say that. He's oh, okay. he's David Benioff is married to the actress Amanda Pete. He's also uh, the the son of uh, someone who ran Goldman for a while. Oh, you wow. know, no big deal. Well then, yeah. So stop criticizing his use of <laughs> of money on the, the the show because clearly he knows what he's doing. It's just hereditary. It's all just point. class warfare. Uh, um, yeah, well, that's what the show is about. Spoiler alert. But so, so getting to going down that road, though, one of the big criticisms, ha- you know, for a long time, and one that has only ramped up this season, has been the way that Game of Thrones, the show, handles gender and race, mm-hmm. you know, and. You know, there, there's, 
as there always is, there's some backlash to the backlash and people people gamer gating all over the place. But it's a it's a unique thing where there actually is some I mean I there is definitely like some whitewashing of the show and you know there are not a lot there are there's not like a deep roster of I I really think there is a lot of kind of top level star power uh of of the women in the show but they do they really do kind of do a lot of people dirty um yeah and so I I think that I I am against the smart position for sure because I think that if you feel like I think if you feel like someone did a bad job of something, it's not wrong to say that. You know, it it gets into complicated things with social media and the uh, the ability to always essentially shout your criticism of someone right into their face, no matter mm-hmm. the time of day. And so I I get the sense that that it's a it's perhaps more unique to that than to Game of Thrones. Like if Twitter had been like a ton of people thought their cable went out when the you know at the end of the Sopranos because they did you know David Chase did something very unexpected and people were big fucking mad about that. People were very mad, and I think if it had happened now, it would have, I mean... It would have broken Twitter. Yeah, which... So, I guess one thing in that is that, uh, you know, being against the smart position is is fine, but I also feel that we're kind of in this, this weird wasteland because what is happening when you put out the listicles or you say you're failing is... Mm-hmm. Really, you might have enjoyed the television episode. Like the one we watched last night was spectacular. And if you watch it ever or if you don't, as far as television making goes and shots and direction and cinematography, incredible. Set design, set selection, whatever it is, it was incredible. So when people are responding and creating this content, a lot of it is, to me, strikes me as I'm actually – I'm giving my hot take. You know, I might be saying this was really good, but hot take. So come to me, come to my content creator for my hot take, um, and and my alternative view, which which could be snarky or it could be more earnest, but say no, this is this is this is right, and and maybe they even take a smart position to say this is right because this has worked before. But you end up promoting yourself, and sure. and there's. You could say there's nothing wrong with that in in you know making a, a content for the internet or anything, but that then we're talking less and less about what is actually there and more and more about who has the hottest take. And I think the take economy sucks. Yeah, the, it's the discussion of the discussion. That's and that is all. That is all well and good. I would say that enjoying a standalone episode of a series and saying that was an incredible work of television filmmaking is not inconsistent with, but I don't think this episode particularly fits in well with the rest of the show, or 
I don't like the way that we got here because I don't I think we jumped very quickly from A to M without going past B and C and F and J first. I don't yeah. think those are inconsistent at all because this episode of Game of Thrones is an episode, but remember, it's an episode of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what has occurred to me in this conversation and, and when you're talking about A to, to, you know, the steps we are looking at or yeah. skipping or, or whatever it is. Um, now, it's different, but as far as cultural canon of people of a certain age, our age, um, you know, I remember a – I think this is outside the statute of limitations, but, um, you know, Harry Potter doesn't die in the end of Harry Potter. And I had a teacher in high school my senior year who got really, really angry and animated that the that Harry Potter didn't die. Harry Potter should have died, they said. Harry Potter should have died because that's how the hero story works. He has to die, blah, blah, blah. And there are certain things in Game of Thrones that you can make that too. But my response was, no, he didn't have to. And the book was oh, great. absolutely. In part because he did. And also in part, and this is what I wanted to get to. J.K. Rowling, I don't know when she disclosed it. It might have been really early on. But one of the first things she wrote was the ending yep. to Harry Potter. So the whole time she had like this – everyone had to be respectful of this was all planned out. She did say sure. at one point that one character was going to die and then she decided that character wasn't going to die. But it wasn't really consequential. So I would ask really both of you if – and actually, they, they did say this, which is funny, because one of the first questions George R. R. Martin asked them was, how does this end? And they talked about how it ended. Does, is part of this, like, endings don't, you know, maybe they just don't matter, so we might as well argue about it? That's... No, I, I don't think that's it at all. I think there's a difference between the ending... I think there's a difference between the ending of the story and the ending of the show. And I think they're trying to do they're trying to end the show in a way that has left a lot of people feeling like they haven't done an adequate job of ending the story. I the Harry Potter story over 7 books, some of which were gargantuan, uh is incredibly well fleshed out. It and yeah. you know and and people have been people have been mad online over the last five years about you know <laughs> J.K. Rowling going back and making that story even longer by retconning a whole bunch of stuff into existence like wizards shit on the ground and then you know vanish it away with magic they don't use toilets. Um, oh, that's I didn't know that. I, I mean, like, like that. Like, but I I do. I think that it is this is a unique issue for Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is based on a series of books and that series of books is unfinished. Yes. And and, and so and, we're we're now effectively considering that season 8 is essentially over. We are now two seasons past where any of the story was based on books that have been written. Yeah. Like we're and, we're we're out over the skis. And so, so if 
if you're watching it, you know, 20 years from now when maybe all the books are done or, or something, <laughs> you might go back and it will, it, and it will, and it will actually Man. work. You'll be like, oh, I see why they skipped over that part. But it it adds, you know, flesh and, and blood to it. And so I, I, you know, maybe ask that poorly, but uh, but you know, we're not uh, we're not giving mm-hmm. them we're not giving them the the maybe the same benefit, even though they know the end of the story and they've been working to it the whole time. But if the show um, is an but you know, to use my alphabet analogy again, if the show as a whole entity is going from A to Z. There is only one episode left. There is just the Z. Mm-hmm. And uh, people seem, people on the internet seem to feel an awful lot like we basically jumped from Q to X or Y. And I don't know that a satisfying Z will will solve that. At least, nah. I, be, be, because I think that the book, you know, a book series is different from a TV show. And I have to imagine, I, I, look, I'm the one of the three of us that hasn't read any of the books. So I'm only familiar with the way that people talk about the books and what they are. And I know, like, I know the factoid that books four and five were supposed to be one book, but they had to be split into two because of the literal physical limits of the art of book that, binding. That is the Mike London is a cop of Game of Thrones, <laughs> I swear. Um, but, but I would imagine then that if the book series is going to be finished, and uh, for the record, I don't think it will be. I really, I don't think he has, I don't think he's got the pages. Um, but... I think it would be not unsafe to assume that George R. R. Martin is going to write the end of the book series the way that he's written the rest of the book series and not yeah. like the TV show. And so inevitably, I, I, I almost think that if the book series gets finished, this period at the end of the show will actually only be looked on more harshly because... HBO wants more Game of Thrones. They wanted, you know, 10 or 12 seasons of it. David yeah. Benioff and, and D.B. Weiss didn't. And so yeah. and, the onus is essentially it's on them to kind of defend their decision. Yeah. And Max, I, I, yeah, I wanted to, you know, as, as a, a book reader, I, I do want I want your, your feelings to come out here. Yeah. Um, on that. Well, I think you were trying to say that maybe the book would fill in, like, the missing holes from mm-hmm. the show, and I I feel like from certainly season one, probably season one through four, it worked that way for me, because I had read the book, so I had all that background information, but I also know that people like Sean and lots of other people who didn't read the books also really enjoyed seasons one through four, so I don't know that that's really a fair argument to say, like, oh, well, when the books are out, they'll fill in all the holes, and then season eight will be good. It's like, well, no, because... It, yeah. For it to be good, it needs to be able to stand on its own, and I think that's what something that was so good about the yeah. show, and still is, is that it, it it stands on its own as a really good, I, I'm just going to say it is a really, really good like fantasy TV show. I can't think yeah. of many others like it, so I, I like the books a lot. I want them to be finished, I but yeah, I'm definitely conflicted, and like, I had to make a hard decision <clears throat> to 
to watch the show when I when I wanted to just keep waiting for the books. I know people personally who chose not to watch the show and are still waiting for the books instead. Um, I'd be curious what their takes are when they finally Ooh. get to finish the books, well, hopefully. So so here's the thing, Max, and, and I would say, and I think that this, to, to go to go back to, you know, the overall point of this, this type of criticism, uh, this criticism does not happen if the books are done. So we really are living in a singular moment of you can't criticize. You can't I, I criticize. Disagree. The, so let me finish my point. You can, it's it, you cannot write the same things about how a TV show is ending and treating its characters if the story has already been written and they're just adapting yep. it for the screen. Like yeah. you know, in 127 hours, his arm is going to get cut off. Spoiler alert. Like you know that <laughs> they cut so off. You can't say Sean Bean's arm too. <laughs> so <laughs> so I I would say that I still disagree with that because think about all the time. Think about you know you mentioned Harry Potter. Think about the Harry Potter movies and how many people criticized those movies for n- leaving a whole bunch of stuff from the books out. They did, which it's a different, but that's a very t- different type of criticism. I that is I don't that is know errors that, that of is a, true. That's errors of omission as opposed to this, the way that the story is told. I mean, they're they're criticizing the central narratives of this this story, and I think that's very different than errors than the we should have seen the go. It would have been really cool to see the ghosts mm. uh, feast that they have in Harry Potter. So I I. Th- I have a I guess I have a different view on that which is that I think that the thing they're criticizing about how the story is being told is essentially that the criticism to me essentially boils down to you are committing all of the errors of omission but without books to support it you're just you're leaving you're just leaving story out altogether and so like I don't Maybe it wouldn't take the same tenor if there was a, a book or two books to support it, but I, I fundamentally disagree that the criticism wouldn't happen. I mean, you know, oh, in I no small be part different. because would, people on the happen. internet will always find something to criticize. It's yeah. the internet. Uh, it's not where we gather for reasoned discussion. Yeah, I. I well, it's supposed I, to be, it but would, it's not. Yeah, it would still happen. It just. The structure and the central, nature, the central driving force of it would would be different because fan theories you wouldn't you wouldn't have fan theories, and I think that's where a lot of this is driven from. It's like the story should go this way, and I think it will it will go ahead this way, and that just wouldn't it wouldn't exist because you'd you would have as Max pointed out you'd have those people who would know the whole story and they they're like oh i'm gonna watch it and see how it's adapted right. just like we had with harry potter right you'd be criticizing benioff and weiss for leaving stuff out from the books as opposed to criticizing them for leaving stuff out from the version of the book that i've written in my head i get that yes that's yeah. fine and and then you're criticizing you know the this this junction where we're criticizing storytelling and and then also criticizing a tv show that gets all mangled about and bugs me i think then you're just criticizing the tv show pretty explicitly and i think that that makes for a not a better community on the internet but maybe a more honest community on the internet which doesn't happen but (laughs) i'm just hoping here i mean look that that's all fair and i so i am 
I think the one of us that consumes <clears throat> sort of ancillary Game of Thrones content the most. Uh, and ancillary Game of Thrones content, like breakdowns and speculation and fan theories, are one of the things that really informed me getting as hooked into the show as I did, considering that I started watching the show in 2017. You know, the the existence of binge mode as as a podcast being done by two Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire super fans, you know, who happened to work at The Ringer, like, that was uh, an indispensable companion of mine as I raced through the first 60 episodes of the show. So, like... I think I, I tend to be the most receptive and, and lenient to uh, to the way this criticism and the, the theory economy is occurring now because I spent, you know, I spent a whole summer immersed in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that there, I think there is still room for kind of reasonable, you know, Jason Concepcion and Mallory Rubin do a good job, you know, and have done as they've continued to do a podcast and even do a Game of Thrones after show this season of, you know, balancing what they feel and what I kind of feel too are are rightful criticisms of some of the process and some of the storytelling with, yeah, but that was also really fucking cool. Like this, I, I can't, I think this is probably one of the right places to go out. This episode was cool as shit. It was amazing to watch. The Vulture TV critic ranked it already as the best episode of Game of Thrones ever. And I'm not totally mm. sure I agree with that, but it was amazing. Yeah. So, like mm. I think I think you can have I think you can have your cake and eat it too as long as your aunt like you can levy criticism if you are as honest as you can be about why you're criticizing it. Max, are you going to send us out with a good puritanical idea to save us all from this nonsense? I was just going to suggest that if you haven't, you should go back and listen to the It's Pretty Okay podcast episode 158. We've still got things left to do featuring our breakdown of the uh, penultimate episode of Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Where we had very few criticisms. Um, good TV is good TV. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't go back to episode, I think, 24 and listen to our conversation about spoilers. <laughs> oh, we did, we did really, we did actually did really good here. Yeah, we, so. we did a good job. Um, except, except for the, the beheading at the first season and I spoiled Harry Potter. So Sorry. It's true. We did not issue a spoiler warning for Harry Potter, a book the series that was spoiler that he doesn't die. A book <laughs> series that was completed before Game of Thrones started airing on television. The first four words of the book are "The Boy Who Lived." That is literally the first t- chapter title. So, played yourself. All right, get, <laughs> oh get, get, get out of here. Get oh my here. god! You know what? I'm not even going to tell you where to find us because uh, for this particular episode, it would just lead to more discussion of the discussion, and that's what we're trying to avoid. So 
Uh, you know where to find us to talk about other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we will move on as we do to Pierce's sorry. And uh, what are you apologizing for this week, man? So I have started doing stuff with with uh, with plants because I'm trying to use my southern facing sunroom kind of place well. So in in the spirit of that, I went out to buy soil because you buy soil for plants. I live probably a half mile away from the place that you can buy soil. I decided I needed two bags of soil. I don't know if you all are familiar with the size of one cubic feet. I mean, you should be because it's one by one by mm-hmm. one. Um, soil, as you might know, can be pretty dense. I was getting dense soil and decided that carrying two one cubic foot bags of soil was a good idea to go back to my apartment. Not only is soil very hard to carry because of the, the, the way that the bags are shaped, but it's very heavy. But I'm not apologizing to myself, which I often do. What I'm apologizing to is I am someone who gets like the opposite of schadenfreude because I feel other people's pain when I see them in, in bad situations. So I'm apologizing to all the people by the restaurants that, that saw this idiot carrying soil because that makes me feel so uncomfortable when I see other people doing you know things that are clearly a bad idea. So I disrupted multiple happy hours huffing and puffing with two bags of soil, and I'm, I apologize for that disruption that I may have caused. Don't do that. Just don't. Yes, Max. Have you considered that those people may have been wildly entertained by your dilemma? Yeah, well, Captain Well, you know empathy. what? Yeah. Well, you know what? They're assholes and they're unempathetic. So <laughs> you can go oh, kick rocks. That, that, if I were that guy, I would have used a wheelbarrow. A, a plus. <laughs> this, this, is, this is a phenomenal apology. This is, I think this is one of the best ones we've had in a long time. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Uh, we'll close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture. And uh, this week, I don't know if it's really pop necessarily, uh, but uh, Emily and I went to Crozet, Virginia uh, yesterday as we're recording this Sunday morning. Uh, it's you know little little town about 10 miles away. Uh, they were having uh, their biannual arts and crafts festival and uh i, I we we both uh, we bought us some art and uh that was it was really neat it was a cool experience it's one of those things where you get to go around and you know talk to the people it's essentially they've got booths set up and they're they're selling their work and you can talk to them about their process and you know how they choose to paint or sculpt what they choose to sculpt. I, I did not spend $5,800 on a full-size driftwood horse. Uh, I bought a framed watercolor of uh, different varieties of oysters and learned from the artist who was born in the UK but now lives in the Outer Banks that when she used to teach, uh, when she used to teach watercolors, one of the first lessons she would do was painting oysters because there are so many different color, you know, there's a lot of gradient color changes inside an oyster shell. And so it's a really, you know, it's a really useful way to learn how to sort of blend watercolors. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm glad to know this. Now, I, now whenever I look at it hung up in my apartment, I'm going to think about that and, you know, <coughs> it'll... I, there'll be a, a deeper connection than 
than there is for, you know, posters that I've bought on the internet because they looked cool. And so, you know, I think that a lot of times and, and, you know, we're, we're all farmer's market people. So, you know, I think we're, we're used to, it's a nice thing to be able to get, you know, get your vegetables from the person who grew them and, you know, shoot the breeze with them about what's in season and what goes with what. And it's just, there are more venues for that. And I'm, I'm glad I took advantage of one. Yeah. Just don't tweet at that artist that she did them oysters wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you've never, you've never, you've never arted. So what would you know about arting? I took multiple summers of painting class. So y'all can suck one. That's the type of negativity that causes all the problems in our world. The youth being negative. I, I won't have it. But listen yes. to our podcast. Yes, to cry my lack of civility. Why don't you? <laughs> um, all right. That is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty OK Pod or at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com. You can also subscribe to our show feed on your podcast app of choice. If you do that, Please do us a favor, leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or tell a friend about the show. Uh, we would love to share what we're doing with them as well. We will be back again next week once Game of Thrones is over to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening.